New Year? All right. Pretty weak, but all right. 2020. If you guys have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses there, and then we'll hop into our conversation for today. So Genesis 1, and we're going to read verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Interesting, that's in there. 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning that we get to open up the word that we get to learn together, and we ask you just to come and have your way, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would use me to communicate your heart to these beautiful people, and I pray that we would leave here, God, with a sense of um, urgency and anticipation and longing for clarity in our lives, God. We are grateful for a fresh start and a new year, and we're always grateful, God, that like we were singing this morning, that you're faithful. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning on the drive over, my son saw, like just out of the blue said, um, I'm not going to smoke anymore. He's five. I'm, I'm not going to smoke anymore because it turns my lungs black. I was like, wow, I didn't know you smoked, but thank you. That's good to know. But how many of you guys have New Year's resolutions where you're, you're, you're coming to this realization? Maybe you're five and you're addicted to cigarettes. You don't even... Maybe you joined a gym or you're starting to go to bed earlier or you're starting to, new, to read books again or you're, start, you're stopping drinking so much coffee or you're only going to watch one season of Suits a night. Like whatever your New Year's resolution might be. There's, there's this interesting thing that happens in the New Year where we have this moment to kind of pause and take stock of our lives and to reflect on what is actually going on. What, what am I doing with my life? You know, what's going on with my family? How, how am I connecting with friends? Do I even have any friends at this moment? And sometimes when we're doing this, it requires us to ask some pretty difficult and direct questions. And I think what, what we need to be getting at and, and the opportunity that's presented to us are questions like this. What actually matters to me and my family? Where, where is my life heading? Especially compared to the scripture that we read this morning, how am I exercising and stepping out into the purpose God has given me as a human being? How am I exercising dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, all that kind of stuff? What does that look like? Now, and I think for me and probably for you, I hope for you as well, and I don't hope, but I'm assuming for you, more often than not, what emerges is this humiliating gap between who we actually are and who we would like to be. There's this gap that exists there. And it feels like, you know, there's, we're given, like we, were, we read this morning in Genesis 1, we're given a purpose, we're given an identity as image bearers of God, but somehow along the way there's this confusion and all of a sudden we lose the plot. Who am I? What matters to me? What am I supposed to do with my life? And there are so many options these days for who we could be. There's so many identity options out there. And it's confusing. It's overwhelming. It's complex. And it, it, it's, it could just be me, but I feel like in our culture, in our context, ambiguity and confusion and uncertainty seems to be elevated to a place of honor. Like, oh, it's actually good that you have no idea what you think about X, Y, Z thing. 
Certainty almost seems archaic or dangerous somehow. And that, that is something that we're going to be talking through this entire year. What does it look like to live with clarity? What does it look like to, to live with certain things being certain in our lives? Obviously, some things are going to be, we're going to be figuring out along the way. But our culture thrives in the gray areas of life. Our culture exists there. Things like self-actualization or self-fulfillment are superimposed onto career choices or where you live or what friends you have or your sexuality or on and on this list could go. And these things are often changed and fluctuating. I need a new career. I need a new this. I need a new this. And there's back and forth and back and forth because there's confusion. There's uncertainty. There's ambiguity about what it is we're actually doing. And add into the mix now that everyone and their mom has a podcast has written a book, has just read a book. And, you know, it's like, hey, Uncle John, I don't want you to tell me how to have a, how to have a baby. You don't have a womb, and you're not a woman. But thank you for your opinion. But we're in a time where everyone's an expert, right? Everyone knows what to do. Everyone knows what to say. Everyone knows what you should do. You know, why are you giving me parenting advice? You are six years old. I don't need this from you. But we're in this place where expertise is praised, but teachability is actually really undervalued. Like, don't, you can't tell me nothing, man. You can't teach me anything. And so there's this weird tension that we live in and exist in. And I think what we need to kind of think about is our, our, there's this pull about, towards, like, what are you going to spend your life doing? What are you going to be doing? What are you going to become an expert in? What are you going to give your life to? And there's this thing that we need to kind of come to, to grips with as we're kind of looking at this new year, taking a moment just to pause and reflect. D.L. Moody puts it this way. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but in succeeding in things that don't actually matter. So there's this opportunity for us to kind of pause and say, okay, what am I actually giving my life to as individuals? But also that's what we've been doing as a leadership. What are we doing as a church? What are we giving our energy and effort to as a church? There's a danger just like for you that as a church, we could become really good at things that don't actually matter. And we don't want that. There's a danger for you, there's a danger for me, there's a danger for us as a church community that we could actually mislive. We could actually mislive. And this is what William Irvine says. He says, there is a danger that you will mislive, that despite all your activity, despite all the pleasant diversions you may have enjoyed while alive, you'll end up living a bad life. There is, in other words, a danger that when you are on your deathbed, you will look back and realize you have wasted your one chance at living. Instead of spending your life pursuing something genuinely valuable, you squandered it because you allowed yourself to be distracted by the various baubles life has to offer. So misliving is a real possibility. And of course, you know, in New Year's, we're kind of evaluating. There are some, certain areas or aspects of my life where I'm misliving. But there's, a, there's an opportunity. Our whole entire goal and vision of our life could be misdirected. And we don't want that. We don't want that for you. I don't want that for myself. And I don't want that for our church community. Of course, this is not something anyone sets out to do. Correct? No one sets out to get lost on their way to a destination. Like, it'd be great if we just completely lost the point and we li- we're going north and we should have been going south. That would be amazing. If you do that, you're a psychopath. But, um, uh, but we need to look ahead. What we need to be doing is looking ahead and seeing where things are headed. And we need to reevaluate, am I on the right track? God, is my vision lining up with your vision for my life as well? Proverbs twenty nine eighteen puts it this way. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And this is in the, the, the place where we become distracted with the various baubles the world has to offer. 
So that is the why of vision. The why we need vision is this, that there's a very real possibility that we could be misliving our lives. Then what, this raises the question, what is vision then? This is just Webster's definition of vision. The ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. So is vision just this thing that, okay, it's 2020, it's kind of cool, let's, you know, we want 2020 vision, seems kind of cliche. It's funny, I saw this thing, it was December 31st, it wasn't even the new year yet, and the, the, it was on Twitter, and the guy said, I'm so sick of the 2020 clarity vision thing already. I'm like, it's not even the new year yet. <laughs> we had this whole vision thing planned out. Anyways, it was funny. Um, so what is vision? Uh, we, want, we want vision not because we want to become like a corporation that has a catchy slogan or a catchy phrase. Vision is a God thing. Did you guys know that? So vision is a God thing. We see this in the story of Scripture. We see this in the whole story, the whole narrative that is laid out in the Bible. That there's the, the big plot points are creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. God is looking forward. God is looking to the future with imagination. And God is a visionary God. We have to realize that new creation is better than creation. So where we're heading as human beings is better than where we are right now. This is where we're heading. And we're going to be talking about this in way more detail. This morning, guys, is just kind of an overview of kind of what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. But as we look in the, the story of Scripture, we read from Genesis 1, the beginning. This is from Revelation 21, the end of Scripture. There's one more chapter, but this is at the end of the story. This is where we're heading in new creation. This is what it says about Jesus. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Our God is a visionary God. God is a visionary. God plans every detail of our lives with a look towards the future, with vision in mind. Psalm 139 says this, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. This requires vision. Ephesians 1.4, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God is a visionary God. Secondly, what is vision? Vision is a human thing. How many of you guys have something you're looking forward to in 2020? Anything? You think? Cool. Shout them out. What are you guys looking forward to? A new knee? That's good. Oh, man. Amen. I was hoping someone would say that. We got nine months to go. <laughs> took, took, you, took you guys a while for that one. Anyone, anyone else? Golf. Golf. Vacation. Vacation. Cool. You guys are looking ahead with vision. You have your hope is looking forward. You are a visionary. The, the thing with with us, in what I was reading this morning from Genesis one, we are made in God's image. So if God is visionary, that means you and I are visionary as well. This is what Ephesians two ten says: For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants to partner with us in, in his purpose and plan to, to redeem all creation. How many of you guys have um, su- planned a surprise for your kid or your spouse or your friend or someone you work with, and you kind of say, I've got a surprise for you? Yeah? And you just, I, loved, I love saying that to my wife. I love to see the, the look on her face. I've got a surprise for you. 
And then that's kind of what God is saying to us in this verse, in Ephesians 2, chapter 10. Like, I've got things planned for you guys. I've looked ahead to the future. I've thought this through. I know who you are. I know what you're like. I have this big vision in mind, and I have something prepared for you to partake in. I've got a surprise for you. And this requires us to look to the future with a little bit of imagination, with a little bit of hope, with a little bit of, uh, of vision as we look forward. So imagination is a gift from God. That as far as we know, it's only given to the humans. It's not given to cats or dogs. That's another sermon for another time, though. Um, so this is what Will Mancini says. He says, imagination makes us powerfully human. It makes us inventors, planners, and lovers. It makes us knowers of the unseen God. Albert Einstein once said that imagination is more important than knowledge. Even the writer of Hebrews connects faith with imagination. Without faith, being certain of what we do not see, it's impossible to please God. We could say that faith is being certain of what we can only see with the mind's eye. In the end, faith demands imagination, just as breathing demands air. The idea of hope itself would be a hopeless concept if I couldn't close my eyes and imagine a better future. As humans, as people who God has created to partner with him in bringing his kingdom, our responsibility and privilege in in relationship with this God who is visionary is to dream alongside him. We have a responsibility to dream. We have a responsibility to have vision. So vision is a God thing. Vision is a human thing. And finally, vision is a church thing. The church is, is, is important for us to get, grab a hold of this, guys. We have, a, I mean, a unique um, expression of church in the fact that we don't have like a church building. We rent a theater on Sunday morning. So for us, it's a little bit easier to grab a hold of this. The church is not this building. The people in this room are the church, right? We are the church. And so the church is made up of, of a bunch of humans who are partnering with a visionary God and seeing his dream come to fruition. So being a church implies needing to have some type of vision. Otherwise, we end up what we read with what we read in Proverbs 29, that where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Everyone just wants to do whatever they want to do. There's no real clarity. Everyone's doing a million different things instead of us staying on purpose and on point and partnering with God and his vision for the world to look more like heaven. So what we're going to be focusing on is, is what is God calling us to as a specific community and as a specific people in Alliston in the year 2020, yeah. right? We want to be very specific with that. And so we're going to be unpacking that over the next few weeks. But vision is a church thing. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. And that's what we're going to be unpacking the rest of the way. But how do we get vision? Do we Google it? Maybe. We ask God. We look to Jesus, right? Jesus is the Sunday school answer, but in, in most cases, guys, it's going to fly, okay? So the way of vision, and we're going we're gonna to look at just a, a few scriptures from Mark chapter 1, if you guys want to turn there in your Bibles. Mark <clears throat> chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. You guys doing okay? Yeah. All right. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 18. Let me just get some water first. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. 
and immediately they left their nets and followed him. We talk a lot about Jesus here, which I think is a good thing. It's a very good thing. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he is God. We believe that when he comes to earth in the incarnation, he comes to reveal to us what God is actually like. And he comes to reveal to us at the same time what you and I were actually designed and meant to be. He, he, he embodies and models and displays what a, a, a healthy human being looks like. And that's, that's super encouraging. And so Jesus comes to reveal to us what, what living life in God's kingdom actually looks like. And so when we're thinking about vision and wanting to have vision and wanting to stay on point and follow through with who God's created us to be, and we want to be not misliving but living in a healthy and good way, we want to look to Jesus, of course, for that. What does that look like? What does that mean? We look to Jesus and his vision um, of what life in the kingdom looks like. And so there's three distinct things that we're going to be focusing on over the next little bit about Jesus's vision to be a human being. The first thing Jesus does is he reveals who God really is and what God is really like. So we need to grab a hold of Jesus's vision of God. The second thing he does is he announces the kingdom of God has, has arrived. So you want to grab a hold of Jesus's vision of the kingdom. The third thing he does is he invites us to follow him and learn as his apprentices. And this is awesome and really good news. So the first thing in terms of wanting to walk in the way of vision is that Jesus reveals who God really is and what he is really like. We use this quote often um, from Tozer. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Do you guys know that? Yes, it's true. What comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God influences more than we realize, I think. And so we need to have a right understanding of God. Here's the interesting thing, though. Sin, or living in a way that opposes God's kingdom, distorts and, and discombobulates our vision of who God really is. So we, we, we can all of a sudden live in, into this and project our wrong understanding, our misunderstanding of God's character, heart, nature and that will influence how we live our lives day to day how we interact with other people how we think about things will be misaligned because of sin or brokenness in our lives so jesus comes and he starts with tackling our understanding of god hebrews 1 says this about jesus jesus is the exact imprint of god's nature so if if there's any confusion about who is god and what is really like we look to jesus jesus is the perfect representation of the father and this is made possible to us in, in terms of having revelation and understanding of Jesus as we study the scriptures, of course, but also as we live life in the Spirit, as we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what Jesus is really like. And this is important for us. Jesus, talking more a little bit about our, our sin and our confusion about who God is, he, when he's walking in the earth, he says this statement, no one knows the Father but me. Everyone is so confused about what God is really like, is what he's saying in that statement. And so he wants to come and show us who God really is and what God is really like. So we must learn from Jesus as we look towards having vision who God is and what he's really like. The second thing we see is this, that Jesus announces the kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God is, this is how we explain it, the kingdom of God is God's rule in God's place expressed in God's way by God's people. And so you may not know this or not, but you carry around in your, in your breast, as Calvin says, your own kingdom. And anyone who's married knows this. I have a kingdom and Jess has a kingdom. And sometimes those kingdoms are at war. 
right? You guys, are, you can laugh. It's okay to laugh. Do we laugh? I don't know. Am I on Team Jess or Team Tom? I don't know. Team Jess is good. I'm on Team Jess. So, so we, we experience this when we're like at odds with one another. So my kingdom and God's kingdom often are in conflict. My, I'm like, God, no, this, it needs to be my way. And I may not be saying that or verbalizing that, but my actions would say that. And your actions could do the same thing. And that, that's part of that gap that we were talking about earlier. The, the, this is the, the man I want to be, and this is the man that I actually am. The only way I will be the man I actually want to be is to come into God's kingdom. And that starts with understanding who God is through, through Jesus' explanation of that. But it also comes in and, into this whole understanding that God's kingdom has actually arrived. So it's not the, 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 the announcement of possibility, it's the announcement of the arrival. So God's kingdom is actually here. And so my goal now is to live in, in, in a place where I'm allowing God's rule to be express, expressed in me in God's way all the time. That's what I want, and that's what you as a follower of Jesus want as well. And so within the story, within the bigger story of Scripture, um, Jesus comes at a very specific time to reveal to us and announce to us the arrival of his kingdom. And, and that can happen in our, we have these own, our own moments of this in our own lives where we have a revelation of who Jesus really is. Where he steps in at the very right time and reveals himself to us. And this is, is in literary terms, it's interesting, I was reading about this. This is something that Tolkien often used in his stories. And it's, it's this, we are living in a catastrophe. And let me, let me explain what this means. This is what Tolkien says. A catastrophe is an unexpected appearing of goodness in a story. A sudden happy turn in a story which pierces you with the joy that brings you to tears. It occurs just as all hope appears to be lost and the world is made right again. That's what happens when Jesus announces the kingdom. That there's, there's, this, there's all kinds of real catastrophe happening even in the Jewish people. They're being under oppression by the Roman um, government there and he's speaking into that context and saying listen god's kingdom has finally arrived it's it's here now this is good news this is good news as, as we actually understand what god's rule in god's place expressed in god's way by god's people means it will eventually move us to tears it will it will release inexpressible joy and it appears in a place where all hope is lost when we're realizing over and over again that the things i think will bring me hope that, that they continually fail me the more I turn to Jesus, the more I understand his way, the more I un- let his kingdom take up residence in my life, the more hope actually is birthed. Right. Although, although there are real catastrophes happening in the world right now, the arrival of God's kingdom is a catastrophe. It is good news. Here's the thing, though, guys, with this whole idea of repentance. And this is what Jesus says at the end. He says, listen, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. You need to repent and believe in the good news. What does that mean? We, we have to literally rethink everything now that the kingdom has arrived. Yeah. Everything. This isn't just like, you know, what do I think about this specific thing? The announcement of God's, the arrival of God's kingdom Im, Im, implores us to rethink everything. And so what repentance is, is it's a total change of mind, which leads to a total change of life. Where I'm going to realign myself, I'm going to lay down my kingship, and allow Jesus to come and take up residence as king of my life over and over and over and over again. And the way that I think about fill in the blank thing. And again, we're going to be talking way more about this in the weeks to come. So 
The way of vision with Jesus, he reveals what God is really like. He announces the arrival of God's kingdom. And thirdly, he invites us to follow him and learn as his apprentices. Um, Rabbis at the time, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. They would call to themselves apprentices, people that would come and live life with them. And they had three goals, to be with their rabbi, to become like their rabbi, and to do what their rabbi did. And so this is the same invitation that Jesus is extending to Simon and Andrew. They would have understood that. And so there's like, okay, we're going to go be with this guy, become like him, and do what he did. And so this, this required a 24-7, 365-day-a-year relationship with this person. And so Jesus, in this, in this, in this reality for us, that the kingdom has been announced, it is present, it is here, and his invitation for us to come and follow him, and it gives us this reality. So the first thing is Jesus invites us to a relationship of intimacy with him. That's follow me. The second thing, Jesus invites us into a relationship of transformation, and I will make you. There's this revelation that I am not who I want to be. I need to be remade. I need to be reformed. I need to be transformed. The third thing, and then Jesus invites us into a relationship of mission. I will give you a purpose. I will make you fishers of men. So again, that's be with him, become like him, and do what he did. That is what Jesus invites us into as followers and as apprentices to him. How many of you guys have been on YouTube or Facebook recently and there's like a masterclass advertisement? All kinds of them. There's, it's awesome. There's like um, Gordon Ramsay will teach you how to make steak. Steph Curry will teach you how to play basketball. Steve Martin will teach you how to be funny. There's all kinds of these great things. They just cost like $12,000 per lesson. Um, but it's cool. But they're, they're very specific. They're very niche. They'll teach you a specific thing. But what we see in Jesus is that Jesus is the perfect human being. And so Jesus is asking us to come and follow him, and he will teach you how to be a human being. Okay? That is a big deal. And this is how Dallas Willard puts it. The really good news for humanity is that Jesus is now taking students in the master class of life. Great. I need help with that. I will sign up for that. Forget master class with Steve Martin. I will take this class with Jesus. It's free. No, it's actually costly. Did someone say it's free? <laughs> Let's publicly shame Jonathan for a bit. Do you guys remember being in like geometry class or trigonometry class and they'd be teaching you something like, you know, graphing a parabola or something? Yes. And then someone in your class, maybe it was you, would be like, um, when are we going to use this? And your teacher just looked at you and their eyes were like bulging out of their head. This, this is the bane of all teachers' existence, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but this is, this is the case with Jesus. It's like everything he wants to teach us has a purpose. And so grabbing a hold of this idea that following Jesus is an all-of-life type of thing is really important for us to do. Where it's not just like, how do I become a better church attendant? That's not the purpose. The purpose is how do you become a better human being? At work, at home, at play, all the kind of things, everything you're going to do, you are going to use this. So if I hear that question, um, when are we going to use this? I will throw my Bible at you. Um, I was reading a couple years ago, Chris Hadfield, um, probably the best mustache in the space game. He, he wrote this book called An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. And he was talking about his, since he was a little kid, he had this goal to become an astronaut. And so I think from the time he was around five or six, everything he did, he would ask the question, is this something an astronaut would do? Is this something an astronaut would do? And everything he did. 
And I think as followers of Jesus, if we're going to come into this place of allowing Jesus's vision to become our vision, the question we begin to ask is, okay, is this something that a follower of Jesus would do? Yeah. Everything that we're doing, what we're eating, what we're watching, what we're doing, like everything that we're doing, right. is this something that a follower of Jesus would do? And this is the thing I'm most excited about, that, like with all of this stuff, guys, is that it is not just a Sunday morning thing. Right. Like, who wants just Sunday morning? If it's just, if it's just this, guys, it's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. There's so much more that God is calling us to. There's, such a, there's a way bigger picture of the kingdom that we need to grab a hold of. And this is really good news. This is, this is going to cost us everything, though. That's the thing, that following Jesus is costly, but he is so, so, so worth it. And so we, don't, we are not going to kind of unpack, okay, this is how you have a work vision. This is how you have a family vision. This is how you have a church vision. We're going to say, no, this is, it's all of it. Yeah. We want to we make disciples of Jesus who follow Jesus in everything that is going on. And so this is what we're going to be spending our time doing together this year as a church. We're going to be devoting ourselves and, and seeking God, opening the scriptures, talking, debating, talking back and forth. This are, these are the things we want to have clarity on. We want to be clear about what it is we're actually even supposed to be doing as human beings and moreover as a church. And so things have gotten blurry and murky over the last few years. As things have grown, as more people have been added, as different ideas have come in, different people, all this, it's not bad stuff, but the reality is that things have gotten a little bit blurry. Things have gotten a little bit murky. And so our intention as a leadership team is to, to bring clarity to what has become confusing. Clarity must be stronger than confusion for us to move forward with, with mission and vision in a way that God is calling us to. So over the next 12 weeks, we're going to be unpacking the mission, the vision, the values that we feel God is, is, is calling us to as a community. And the reality is, is, and we want to be super upfront with this, we've become painfully aware of the same thing, of the church we actually are and the church we feel like God is calling us to be. There is a gap there. Okay. We're not going to pretend that that's not there. There is definitely a gap there. And so our hope and our prayer, and, our, and I would, we would love you to pray with us, is that God bring clarity to things that have become murky this year. Make, close the gap, God, between the church that we actually are and the church that you want us to be. This, this year's vision is to bring clarity to what's become blurry. We started off this morning, guys, reading God's commission of humanity in the garden. And just to kind of stoke our, our imaginations to think about, okay, what's, what's my actual purpose here in life? What am I created to do? And, and I want to challenge you guys this week to think, think through a couple questions. The first thing is this, where are you heading? If you plotted out your life, what kind of person are you becoming? And maybe you're here this morning, this is the first time you're hearing anything about Jesus or about the gospel, and we're so glad that you're here. And we're, we're, we're incredibly excited that you're here. And we pray that you would kind of join us as we kind of unpack what it looks like to follow Jesus. Yeah. What, what the gospel is, all these things. Maybe you've attended church and you're like, oh, maybe there is more to this. Maybe it's not just Sunday morning. Awesome. Let's, let's be real with where we are. Maybe you've been following Jesus wholeheartedly and you know all this stuff. Awesome. I tag you in. You can teach the next 12 weeks. That's great. But, but we want to be honest. God, where am I heading right now? And what type of person am I becoming? And for, for, for me, as I think about that in a lot of areas, I'm like, shoot, this is scary. I don't want this. God, help me. And that requires repentance and belief. That requires, okay, God, I want to trust you that your kingdom is better than my kingdom. 
And so spend some time, spend some time this week evaluating and plotting out where your life is pointing. There's a phrase in C.S. Lewis's um, The Last Book of Narnia, and he says we want to, it's talking about going further up and further in to the kingdom. And that's what I want. I want to go further up and further in into God's kingdom every single day of my life. And I pray that for you guys as well. So think about these things. Where are you heading? What type of person are you becoming? And what do you need clarity in your life for as well? What, what needs clarity in your life? I'm going to read two scriptures and then pray for us, guys. And I would just encourage you and invite you to come back, you know, over the next weeks as we're kind of unpacking, hopefully a little bit in, in really clear ways, just what we feel like God is doing and wanting to do in and through us as a community. So two scriptures. The first one is from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6, 16. And this, these are two things I feel like God is highlighting for us as a community. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And then Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, this is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm just going to pray as the worship team wants to come on up. Do you guys want to stand? Father, we, we want to be a people who look like Jesus and act like Jesus and who are continually being transformed more and more into the image of your Son. And so I pray and ask over this next year, God, we want to give this year to you as a community, that you would speak to us, that you would speak through us, God, that, that there would be incredible amounts of, of clarity coming through for each of us as individuals, and for us as a community too, God. We want to be a people who are effective. We want to be people who have clarity and a, a secure purpose in you, God. And so wherever we're at, I pray for honesty, Lord, as we kind of think through and process with you, where are we actually at in this whole deal? Where are we heading? What type of people are we becoming? And we're so grateful, Jesus, for your invitation to come and follow you, to come and learn from you what it looks like to be a human being what it looks like to live life in your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray a year from now, our, our conversation would be completely different. There would be all kinds of clarity and, and a, a further up and a further in type of mentality for each and every one of us. So, God, come have your way. Do whatever you want to do. We want to go where you're going, God. We want you to lead us and guide us. And we are convinced that Jesus knows what's up, that he knows who you are, God. He, he announced the, the real arrival of your kingdom and that he really does want each and every one of us in this room to come and follow him. So we're grateful and thankful and we're just, we're just so appreciative, God, of, of your faithfulness to us and what you will do in this coming year, God. We're already anticipating and thankful for it ahead of time. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.